Hello and welcome to the Casually Hardcore Podcast. My name is Brian. Joining me is the lovely and wonderful Rook from Bird of Chess, as well as my fellow co-host Chris from Work to Game and Gaming Kinda. Today we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy XIV, Guild Wars 2, video games, the state of MMORPGs, all kinds of wonderful things to explore. So Rook, thanks so much for taking time to pop in and talk with us today. I have a cold, so if you guys haven't been able to tell yet, uh, I'm going to let kind of Chris run the show. You guys get a lot of talking in, and I'm going to pop in with my, uh, my zingers. That's going to be my goal for the show today. But we've got quite the lineup. Uh, essentially kind of the, the shoot for the topics for those of you watching for the outline. Uh, we're obviously going to get to kind of, we've had Rook on before, but in case you haven't seen her, haven't seen her content, we want to let her uh, shine and kind of tell you guys what she likes to create and where she puts it out in the world. Uh, fantastic content creator, guys. Her links are in the description. Be sure to go and uh, follow her. So we're going to talk about how you balance multiple games. We're going to also talk about the state of Final Fantasy XIV, and we're going to kind of talk about community inclusiveness. Those are the outlines of the shows, but if anybody's ever seen a podcast with us before, note that it could pretty much go off the rails, and we'll just kind of explore uh, more of a conversational style show. Rook, welcome to the show. I'm going to let you kind of introduce yourself now. Go for it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun last time. It's been great seeing everything that you've accomplished this past year. Again, congrats on partnership on Twitch. That's huge. Uh, as for myself, uh, my name is Rook. I stream over at Bird of Chess. It's a bit of a play off of the name, which is both a chess piece and a type of bird. But I actually focus on variety MMOs with a big sort of uh, concentration on Final Fantasy XIV and Guild Wars 2. I'm an ArenaNet partner and an LGBTQIA plus streamer that's part of Rainbow Arcade uh, that has a big focus on community, inclusion, diversity, discussion, and talking about all the things we're passionate about in games. Uh, we do critical discussion, but we also try to keep a focus on positivity and again, like constructive discussion and building a community around that that brings people together rather than tearing them apart. So that's kind of my jam. I got this good Guild Wars 2. Yes, yes. And Tengu, oh gosh, we just got some new bird stuff in Guild Wars 2, a race that I love. And I'm just, I'm hoping we get new playable race. <laughs> that's, my, that's my hope for next X-Pack. Is it is next every MMO's Q&A? When can I get the next playable race? Like, Don't you like playing the game now? No. Give me another playable race. Like, I know. I mean, deliver it's, it. It's, it's every too. game. In Guild Wars 2, we haven't had the precedent of new races, which if they do one for this next expansion, it'll be pretty huge. So I'm kind of, I'm fingers crossed, holding my Slippery breath. Slippery slope. Slippery slope. Slippery Just tell slope. people it's impossible. <laughs> Internally, they're like, we could do it, but outside they're like, nope. There's nope, no way. Nope. Mm -mm, no. Couldn't be done. Uh. <laughs> so obviously we have a connection with Final Fantasy XIV, Guild Wars 2, uh, multiple MMOs. So that, I mean, just feeds us naturally into the first topic. How do you balance multiple games? What is your what's your strategy? What's what's kind of your uh, I guess your your test, right? Because it's important in my opinion to play multiple games, but at the same time there is a uh, there's a cost to it, and I'd love to know kind of how you approach it as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially with MMOs, which, as a lot of us know, if you play them yourself, may involve subscriptions, they may be buy-to-play, there may be, you know, generous cash shops. There's also a big time commitment that just goes into playing MMOs. So I get asked this question a lot by people, actually. Um, the way that I sort of personally balance it is to first off, and this is like always important with any MMO, if there's one that you want to try, double check first to see if there's some kind of free trial, there's some sort of initial like playable thing, right? 
try not to overload yourself with cost right off the bat. That's like the huge thing. So I always try to find games that either have some sort of option for you to play without a subscription initially or like have some sort of free trial. If I really have to buy one, I will. But it's always important to kind of balance what you're doing financially with MMOs because they are an ongoing game. They have to pay for ongoing development somehow. So make sure that it works for you and that their cash shop cycles or loot boxes or pay to win or whatever it is, all those components work for you as well. When it comes to just like time scheduling, for me, I found that it helps to kind of roll different MMOs in in different stages. So like I played a bunch of different MMOs before I ever actually hit Final Fantasy 14. So I was doing WoW, I was doing Switor. I kind of went through a bunch looking for things that I wanted in a game. And I knew when I came out of it, I was like, I want good CC. I want good fashion wars in the end game. I want a diversity of content from casual to hardcore. More importantly than anything, I want a really good story that pulls me in and keeps me going through the game and that shows a real attention to detail and love for lore and engagement and storytelling in the world. So when I finally got to Final Fantasy XIV, I was like, this is it. I love it. I've been a Final Fantasy fan for ages. And I got through basically all of the kind of initial stuff in 14 before I ever started rolling in Guild Wars 2, which would become my other big one. And then down the road, I got back into Elder Scrolls Online. But I tried to sort of stagger it because when you get to the sort of end game content or you get caught up in an MMO, that's where I think you have the most freedom to kind of play around with your time, your scheduling. You're not trying to do that huge crunch initially just to get your levels, just to get geared, just to get going. So I usually try to wait until I'm between patch cycles and one, and then I bring in a new MMO and I'll go really hard on the new one and then sort of balance from then on out around the patch cycles of either game. Does that make sense? Yeah, so <laughs> some of these games like Final Fantasy, that that initial chunk is getting a character to cap, keep staying up on story. But like you, you do a lot of top end stuff in games too. You savage raid with sharply dressed man. Like you, you do a lot more than most variety streamers. Um, they they end up sometimes the risk of burnout for variety streamers is that they end up only touching the first half of a bunch of games, and they do that initial serving. And the initial servings can be shockingly similar, right? They're all establishing lore, they're all establishing combat precedents, but in a way where death is usually a minor penalty and a minor risk. They're all feeding you constant loot that really, as a result, only feels so meaningful. Like, they're all just getting their general, like, the first 80%, and that last 20% is really in that back half. How do you decide how far to go into that back half like what made you pick savage rating in verse in 14 where it's not it's not required i think for 14 it wasn't so much picking to do it as it was i have to do this or i will be sad inside <laughs> because <laughs> okay. i just like i love the designs i love the designs of the raids the bosses i mean yes you you have to choose to make a commitment for time and energy and and mechanical preparation and rating so i don't mean to dismiss any of that but there are some games where if i love the world if i love the fights if i love the way that the team play comes together, it doesn't even really feel like an option to me. It just feels like, okay, and then I will have to do this because I want to see the really hardcore version of this fight. I want to feel the stakes in this world. I want to be a part of that. So I knew that when I got that far in 14, and especially because they do some stuff with bonus like versions of fights and all of the rewards and the diable gear and everything that you get, I was like, I really do want to invest the time into this. 14 out of all my MMOs is definitely the one that's most time intensive when it comes to end game. Um, but I'm even there. I mean, Sharp, we're part of a static that we kind of consider ourselves you know, mid-core but serious. So we meet three times a week and we've cleared the current tier. We've been farming it. 
but you know we're not going like five nights a week every single day eight out you know it's not that kind of thing so that left me a little bit of room to then also do rating in guild wars 2 which is very different and i've been dabbling in some endgame stuff in elder scrolls online now so i try to just sort of schedule those and do what i can with our stream we teach new players in guild wars 2 how to raid three nights a week so i jump in for saturday nights but then we have people that help and really kind of you know keep that moving and teaching people so it's always just kind of like a group effort finding groups that work for you and then kind of like slotting them into what you're going to be doing each night and what those time commitments will look like and then how do you balance that with new games coming online there's more games than coming out a year than anybody could play but you were playing what's the new square title called strategy oh, triangle <laughs> insert the following ad lib the same three words geometry like crayon yeah yeah it's geometry <laughs> table chair and you it. were playing that the other yeah. day and you're playing a lot it looks great it's from the same people i think it's from the yeah. same team that made axpath traveler which mm -hmm. also was gorgeous and yeah. way outperformed everything they built that team to make switch titles and um, you were playing that, and then you've played, uh, I don't know if you, I think you played Divinity. You definitely played Baldur's Gate 3. So, like, you get really into those. And so, like, how do you decide? Those are games that do technically have an end, depending mm. on their replayability. Like, there's too many of those coming out of here. How do you decide which ones make it and which ones don't make the cut? That's probably the hardest question, to be honest, Chris. I don't, I mean, I'm sure both of you can also. It's so, it's funny to me because when you get into MMOs, you get into like the cycle and the pacing and the patch, you know, and it's like much easier to structure stuff. But my poor neglected Steam library, there's like 500 games in there that I bought because I was like, I'm gonna play this. And then five years later, I'm like, oh, I forgot about you. Sorry, bud. Like, I know. But, like my computer hardware got better when I finally made the commitment to stop adding to my pile of shame. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I spend all this money on gaming. Oh, because gaming is expensive? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm only, getting, I'm only getting, to, you know, $100 worth of games a year. But, uh, you know, that's it's not true. what it costs to be a gamer because this we is on sale. It was on sale on Steam. I know. And they send you that nice little email that's like, oh, hey, friend. Saw that your wish list off. has 70% off on You're this game. you lose money if you don't buy this. It's, it's a so mistake. Tough. And did uh, you know people who buy this frequently buy this bundle? Did you see this other title you might like? It's also great. And then by then I'm like $200 deep into Steam. And I'm like, but I got them all 70% off. Well, they, uh, and then the next they also day, Square just... and X, who's now going to be doing directs, comes out and they're like, and there's a new Final Fantasy. I know. Well, I saw they just that they announced Turtles. The, tur the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are coming back, and I'm like, so excited. So I'm looking forward to that one, personally. I know. They started doing directs, and I was like, I wish you didn't do this, because I don't want to know about all the games I'm going to have to buy and then not play for two years. But um, no, I, I guess the way that I pick, because I do try to work through some, and it's especially for me games that... Like one, I've stopped a lot of times just buying games before anybody has said anything about them. I kind of <laughs> wait. I wait until what has been out for just a little bit. And I, you know, look at a bunch of different reviews from a ton of different sources, people who have all different kinds of perspectives. Uh, I'll look at some of the gameplay on Twitch or things like that. And then usually I'll kind of go, yeah, this is one that I definitely am feeling like I want to get into. Strong story, interesting characters, uh, unique. I, I actually do love strategy gameplay. So that's one that I always look for. But I really am up for just about anything with indie titles. I like seeing what people are doing, creative stuff in the genre, female leads, LGBTQI plus representation all of that stuff sells the game to me and and means a lot to me so i usually try to look for studios that i think are doing something interesting or their franchises that i really enjoy like with baldur's gate you know you were talking about that one in particular divinity original sin 2 
was phenomenal. I mean, holy cow, talk about a game. If you want to basically play like a D&D campaign with your friends, but not have a DM, but have hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of co-op hours or single player hours and have every run be different. Like I was blown away by that game. So when they brought Baldur's Gate 3 out, which is a series that I grew up playing and love, I never thought we'd see a new one. So I was super excited and Larian was doing it. I was like, okay, well, we're going to play this game. So it's it's one of those things where I just try to sort of suss out the game, get an idea for it, like what it's like, what it might be offering, play it. Uh, and I usually have now had to kind of limit myself. So I have to be like really strict. Like I'm going to play this one and I'm going to try and get it done. And then I'm going to do all my stuff in MMOs and then I'm going to start the next one. So if I'm not vibing with a game, I'll usually drop it pretty quick. But if I am really loving it, I've been trying to just like make an effort with single players because sometimes that's tough for me <laughs> talk to me about that vibe then like what is it uh like what are the telltale tell signs that you either feel or start to experience and you say yeah this is not the game for me what does that look like to you uh gameplay that's really clunky or just like does not feel satisfying uh ui that's such a mess that it like it's really as we, as we play 14 in guild wars where i keep uh, asking where stuff is or like the number of times we put out stuff on guild wars or 14 they're like i just wish they'd add this feature to the ui it's in there it's it there. was added five years ago <laughs> how <laughs> you find it's, it it's, it's, it's the checkbox within the within the drop down within the box within the tab within the menu within the the bar oh god i mean like the one thing is that guild wars 2 <laughs> it actually is a pretty good ui once you get used to it but after dealing with final fantasy 14 for so many years i feel like feel like I don't even know how to interact with other UIs anymore because I sit here I'm like well I can't have two windows open at once that would be heresy so <laughs> let me close this one yeah. and then I'll open it's oh it's convoluted the best but, is the circular ones right you're on the market board and you get queued for a duty and you can't go into the duty because you're on the market board but you can't finish what you're doing on the market board because you're queued for the duty it's that very like turn your no relic way. weapon in as the class so okay so I unequipped a weapon well now you're not the class yep Oh, okay. So I equipped a weapon. Well, you have to give me the weapon. Okay, so oh, well, I equipped the weapon. Thing on, but like, you don't have the job stuff. But then, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, it's a bit of a disaster sometimes. <laughs> and this is coming from someone who loves Final. Like we all love the game, you know. Yeah, when we say stuff like that, we get accused oh, of not liking the game. It's like we put out like fifteen or seventeen hundred YouTube videos on the game. That's a weird. Yeah. That's a weird long con for a game we don't like. Like, <laughs> like we've I'm just so been waiting for our big game. reveal. But so help me with that UI. Yeah, it's been a trick the whole time. <laughs> we just revealed ourselves. Five years, seventeen hundred oh videos. Gosh. Wait till I finally yeah. say it. <laughs> Here you go. Now, I, I honestly, one of the um, things that jumping into WoW for the first time, like this fall, I, I really felt spoiled by fourteen and all the different settings because it was like, and, and, and to be fair to WoW, I was always like, man, how do I do this? Chris is like. Oh, you need to go install this add-on. <laughs> oh, you need to go install this add-on. Oh, the add-ons really are great. Easy. It's put on by somebody great. not Blizzard. Right. It's really And then easy. I go, huh, that's so interesting because it's like, it's so easy for me, especially having been yeah. playing 14 for so long that I'm like, okay, I know how to do that. Like, it's just, but it's inherently baked in. And I'm just like, I hope that they're sourcing, like 14's like, what, what add-ons are really popular? Let's take that and incorporate that into 14. Oh, add-ons are scary. It feels like clicking a link in an email. And, it does and, feel and wow, wow trains you. It's like, no, no, just go take candy from the strangers. We're not going to feed you. Like, yeah. and it, that, that's plan <laughs> we won't A. Do this. They'll do it for free. So <laughs> They're just there in that. the van. 
Like World of Warcraft ESO probably have the most robust add-ons. Guild Wars 2 has a couple that are used, but like ESO and WoW have it like built in, which I think is honestly super smart for a developer. 14's always been a little bit behind on that. But like you were saying, it is actually, there's so much you can do with the UI of 14 and especially even stuff for people that may have other complicating factors, right? Whether that's like mobility issues or things like that, that controller flexibility, even colorblind modes, being able to, like there's so many things you can do with the 14 UI that makes it way more accessible for a lot of people. It's just that like figuring out how you do that stuff sometimes feels like you have opened up an arcane tome and none of it makes sense. And you're like, okay, but then I do what? And then what happens? And it's under what button? Where? It's like you're trying to just figure it out. But there's some great guides and things that Square Enix, I think, has even put out that you can look at. So there is that. Um, yeah, so I guess going back to the original question of what sort of determines if you keep going with the game. I think it just has to be a culmination kind of effect, right? One thing that will immediately turn me off to any game is just incredibly bad writing, characters that do things that make no sense, rampant sexism in a game. Like, I'm to the point now where I'm like, I would like my women powerful and able to step on me. If, <laughs> if, if we don't get that pretty early on, or we don't get a character that maybe, you know, has her own journey of growth, but you decided to make a female character as the lead, I was going to turn it off. I'm sorry. It's like... Some people may not relate to that as much, but for me personally, having grown up playing so many games that had really wonderful, iconic female leads, I'm like, we can do better than this now at this point, guys, come up. So that's one, but I think it does. Like I said, it just has to be a culmination. Uh, if the art style is fantastic, you know, even that can balance out a clunky UI. If there's so many amazing developers right now that are just doing really cool things, like Hades, oh my gosh, so great. Persona art style, fantastic. Uh, story, all those different components can kind of come together to create an experience. And if that experience to me, like initially piques my interest and I'm like, wow, I am actually really excited about what they were doing with this, then I'll usually keep going with the game. I've always gone gameplay first in MMOs. It's always been about the multiplayer and I can get my story from other formats, right? It can be everything from Netflix to podcasts to single player games. There's a lot of things where like I can delve into my own brain on my own time and then I can make multiplayer. And so like I, I was a story skipper through 14 until Shadowbringers, just like a big no-no. And in uh, uh, Shadowbringers, they invited me back in and I'm loving it. And so now I'm playing back through and I'm in ARR. And I will agree with everybody who's told me that the game is different with story. I do feel broader, in some ways deeper. I don't feel better. There are aspects of the game that I actively dislike. There are aspects of my character, of my hero, of my avatar in the game where I am the worst part of anything. Like I have no player agency to like, like in D and D, if I don't like the way something's going, I have control, but in an MMO you don't, cause we all have to get to the same boss encounter. So we all have to be arrive at the same place in time. Cause that's the train platform. And we all have to be there. And so it funnels us towards these things. So there's moments where it feels like my character in the act of moving the sword forward is condoning things that maybe I don't agree with. And so like all through ARR, I'm just like, but I don't want to be a part of this. Like, I don't like, I don't know where my character came from. Cause I arrived on a boat in Limsa, but like, we need to go back. I don't want to be here anymore. Um, these people are awful. Uh, so I, I, I understand that a lot of people look to story for, for games. And I am somewhat glad that I went through my first 15 years of MMOs, not being driven by story, because I think I would have never made it this far if I had to deal with, stories that I didn't enjoy in games that I've come to care a great deal about. 
I think. No, I love that. Sorry, no, Brian, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go please finish your thought because I was just going to transition us into the state of 14 as a subject. This is a natural transition. Go ahead, Rook. No, I mean, I just think, I actually think that's super cool, Chris, because the thing is, is that when it comes down to it, especially MMOs as a genre, right? Like storytelling in MMOs and that RPG element is something that we've definitely seen evolve in the genre in a lot of different ways. And the fact that now a lot of our top MMOs are things like 14, where they were like, well, we're going to put you on a single track. We're going to do what's essentially a single player, uh, player narrative driven experience throughout all of these expansions. That's a linear story. That's something that a lot of times people don't realize, but it sets them apart in the genre a lot. Because when it comes down to it, a lot of MMOs, the two major things, especially now that we're seeing, it is mechanical. And then story can be a big sort of, I don't know, parallel thing that's happening with that, right? So having players that relate to either, it's totally valid. I know so many people who, for whatever reasons don't like the stories of MMOs or skip them. Um, I do think in the case of something like Final Fantasy, it's interesting to examine both sides because the story is really unique in it in 14. And the mechanical element is hugely crucial to the entire experience that you have of the game, the combat, the gameplay, the content type. Like you can't have one without the other and like ignoring either as being something that's a valid drive in MMOs is just kind of silly. You know, it's like, you have to acknowledge that both of them make up the landscape of modern current MMOs and what players might be wanting from them. I like the diversity in offering that. One of the things I've said about 14, and I've received a lot of hate for it, or at least a lot of pushback originally, even though I feel like my statements have become what people have adopted when they describe it. It's that it's a Final Fantasy game first, and then it's an MMO. It's an RPG MMO rather than an MMORPG. It's like it invites you into that single-player narrative-driven experience so you can have that. And then if you want to stick around for the MMO, then you can. It offers both of those options to players. The question is, is that we can always sit here and debate what is the right balance of that? And when we look at Shadowbringers versus like ARR, Shadowbringers has the trust system, ARR doesn't. So there's currently, I would say, a disconnect in that Final Fantasy you know, story-driven experience that kind of forces you into multiplayer and then eventually kind of dials that back to where you can kind of have that more of a solar player experience and then jump into the end game if you choose. But there's a great you know, population of this game that comes for the expansion, plays through the story, comes back to the prior to the next expansion, gets caught up on the story, plays the expansion, and that's how they enjoy 14. And that's not wrong to do that, uh, you know, in, at least in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And when it comes to telling stories that I think are more diverse, like, because you're like, I don't think my character would make those decisions. And in my head, I was like, that's what role play is for. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, it's amazing to see how people even expand the world in this story. And I yeah. agree with you. Like, 14 as a game right now in the landscape of storytelling and MMOs, it is probably the most restrictive. And we've seen them try to do little things with that, like offering some dialogue flair, offering maybe a few little choices of, of story diversion and like the Beast Tribes and the Near thing. Um, We've seen little bits of that, but there are definitely other MMOs that I think have taken that concept of like, okay, granted, we have to get everybody to the same place, just like you said, but how do we at least offer a feeling of being able to choose? How do we offer some sort of illusion of choice or something that does actually affect things? And I think the two that I do that best, in my personal opinion, 
actually Switor, even though Switor has its own problems, mm. probably Switor and ESO right now, because there are things that, you know, you can make choice-wise that do affect what's happening. And in Elder Scrolls, they have the luxury of not being essentially a linear story. They're more zone stories where you're kind of going in and you're playing through an arc and there's these side quests and there are decisions you can make where a character will live or die or this or that. But they're not trying to weave it all together into one concurrent thing. You know, it's not like, oh, in my game, I let Alphino die. I let him drown. Oops. And now at the end of the game, he's not there in Final Fantasy 14. Like, you just can't do that with 14 right. story. You know? Right. <laughs> you, could, you could at least get us to the point where we all agree that, that the boss we're going to fight needs to die. But some of us, it's a needs to die, and some of us are we get to kill them. Like, we don't have to get there with the same feeling of emotion. There are times where I go into a boss fight where I, I understand why we're fighting. I'm not really thrilled we're here. And there are other times where it's like, long time coming, man. Long time coming. Like, let's do this. And so I think... I would appreciate them doing some of that. I know as they've tried to get into that, one of the things the 14 community likes about the game is that you can do everything. And so um, when you introduce agency by its very nature, we saw that with the role actions, right? People, you, oh, well, choose any three of 10, but I want all 10. Like as a community, we've gotten so accustomed to all characters can be all things that when they give you choice, for there to be choice, for choice to be meaningful, that has to mean that there's a road not taken for your choice. And what I like about that as an option, I understand why we don't like it. That's an easy one. But why, what I like about it is this game is like a running convention. When you go to a convention, when you go to BlizzCon or FanFest or any of these things, what's awesome is being around people that have a different life experience than you. Being around somebody who shows up as a cosplayer versus somebody who's there with a notepad to take notes about the battle changes, all being there to care about the same thing is so cool that there's, I don't want 20 million players that are exactly me. Like, I love that we have 20 million players who are all drastically different than me. Um, and there's going to be overlap, but I like that we all can enjoy the same thing. And um, I'll be interesting to see if they do anything different with the story in 6.1, because like, I, I don't know. I know Aetherite Radio, you guys have like some longer format chances, but like, what is your kind of summed up thoughts on, on what's happening with the story that we're ending it in 6.0 and that we're going to just jumpstart this thing? I'm not scared at all. I mean, like so many people, it's so funny to me because I play multiple MMOs. Whenever you hear the words like, yes, the major story arc is coming to an end, immediately it's like half the internet is on fire and everybody's like, the game is dead. And you're like, no, 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 what? No, you can't have a story that goes forever. It got to stop at some point. We can start a new one. And so it's always so funny to me when people get so worried and so anxious. Like right now in both Final Fantasy 14 and Guild Wars 2, we we actually have, we had the season of Shadow, last X-Pack go around. Now we mm. have the season of the end. So we have Endwalker, End of Dragons. I'm curious to see what happens with other MMO X-Packs. But I mean, I think the story has come, it, it feels like it's time. You know, I think that they've done such a phenomenal job. Oh my God. We've talked about it so much on Aetherite Radio. My tears are all over YouTube, you know, like with 5.3 and with everything else. Like the story has been so beautiful. And I think that that's in no small part, thanks to Ishikawa, who has, you know, been leading the main scenario writing. And she is just a, an incredible powerhouse when it comes to compelling characters and story. And I think that right now is really a great time for us to bring this 
this particular arc, not all of Final Fantasy XIV, right, but this particular arc to a close. Um, and especially, it's not just the fact that it's been 10 years, right, and that that was sort of their goal. It's also the fact that they have an incredible writing team, that the game is reaching new heights, that we have had some of the like most incredible story beats and I think some really fantastic content. We've seen so much evolve and change in the game. This feels like a really good point for us to kind of bring some closure to this journey that many people have been taking uh, taking even since 1.0 and then start something new and see what the future looks like for 14 as we start this sort of new rising sun, you know, as they kind of use the metaphor in the in the announcement. But how does that make you feel about the gameplay? Like as we look at the ultimate getting pushed as somebody who does some of the higher end content effectively, if we only get two next expansion, Dragon Song War wasn't moved, it was cut. Because we, if you do the math, we will have had this many expansions and we won't have had like, like you can say the next one's Dragon Song War, but this one should have been Dragon Song War. Yeah. I think this time around, we were actually just talking about this on stream the other day. I think this time around, it's been an unfortunate confluence of things, right? I, I think that you have to acknowledge that both sides of this debate that we've seen kind of rage about Ultimate in particular, right? There are two valid thoughts on this, right? One, it's a tiny portion of the population that does it. Do we have to look at overall balance of other content in the game? Yes, valid. Are people rightfully upset? Yes, valid. And I think a lot of that is exacerbated by just what was planned for this patch cycle, right? When we look at the features in Final Fantasy XIV that make up this game and set it apart from other games on the market, which it's important to acknowledge that stuff, right? The end game content is a huge part of it. Ultimate being some of the hardest content in any MMO right now, hugely important, aspirational content. But in addition to that, we also have things like crafters and gatherers, which in Final Fantasy XIV, unlike most other MMOs, have their own quests, their own rotations, their own skill set, their own content. Like, that is something that is unique about 14. And so to take this particular expansion patch cycle and be like, well, <laughs> we haven't really done anything with this system that we have that's like really unique in this game. And if we're going to have this, we should probably do endgame content for it. We should probably do some stuff for it and rework it and make it functional for the future. I mean, it was already functional, but you know what I mean? Smoothing it out a little bit for new players and things. So they kind of overloaded some of the patch cycles with a lot of this big stuff. Ishgard, both of the beast tribes that are crafter-gatherer, um, all these different things, diadem, ocean fishing. We got much needed content, but when we also were getting one dungeon less per patch, when we also, um, you know, didn't even have like Hildebrand for like additional trials or whatever, when we didn't have, uh, we had that whole one patch where it wasn't a new primal, it was the like sapphire weapon instance, like, People who are feeling the frustration of not having PVE content, which like I will gladly say is me. I don't I don't care much for the crafting gathering of 14. I think it's cool. I like housing, but I just don't like spending massive hours doing crafting and gathering. And I love people who do. It's just not something that has always drawn me. So I felt a little bit of that, right? So I think you have to pay attention to all of that to understand why then ultimate players were upset and especially content creators, right? People who might have scheduled around this event who, you know, it brings the community together. It brings great visibility to the game. It is something there's like so many facets to this, essentially. Welcome to my TED talk. Um, but <laughs> but you can't like just say that people being upset came out of nowhere and has no bearing because there are reasons that exacerbated it. And I do agree that it's real rough 
to know that that content's not coming. It's not in one patch. It's like in a year, you it's know? Year. It, People aren't doing the math. They're basing it on like, well, expansions are only drop in the summer. And so it's no big deal. And they're not doing the math because of the delay, cutting it, cut it out of the whole 2021. Yeah, so that's tough. But we also did get stuff. I mean, like, I really thought that Delibrum Regine was a great, oh man, I think this is such a cool new piece of content. Like, so there's good stuff that's happened. I'm just hoping for the future we maybe see, as they've kind of gotten through what they want to do for some crafting gathering stuff, they have an idea for the future. We see more of a balance. Like, that's the main thing. I'm okay with it being delayed. There's lots of other stuff to do in this game. It's like, I'll play some other MMOs. But I understand why people are frustrated, and it does create this weird gap, you know? And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah. I hope we get more balance moving forward. Would you like to see something like where Guild Wars 2 has that, like, continually leveling? Obviously, it's more glamour focused with the uh that because that's one of the things that i would have i really want we asked yoshi p about it it's like can we get some kind of glamour level so that xp always has some value you level up here's a treasure coffer or here's a hundred you know of the of the bojan lockbox you know, just some kind of like thanks for getting an xp's worth of uh you know a level's worth of xp by doing the content would you like that kind of system in 14 yes yes <laughs> like I would. I'm, so many other MMOs have it. You brought up Guild Wars 2. So like you have your level cap, right? Where you, you do your vertical progression to level cap. And then you have the mastery system, which is your horizontal progression. So like you get mastery points from a bunch of different things, from achievements, from rating, from map interaction, from uh, doing special things on different, you know, metas, which are like culminative event chain sort of things. Like you're able to continue sort of building off of that. ESO, same thing. They have champion point system, which then allows you to have an account-wide sort of buff system that will apply to any future characters you make, which like, please, Final Fantasy fourteen, Because then it makes it easier when you make an alt. It's like you get that bit of like bonus damage, power, healing, um, whatever it is that you're trying to do. It's so nice. I I do think fourteen could benefit from that. The way that they've kind of balanced it is that they introduce new classes that you then level. You try to get everything to 80, get, you know, but it's not quite the same. And account-wide stuff in fourteen hasn't really been a strong suit in the game. <laughs> You know, we could have a bit more of that. <laughs> to the point where they said that they actually built the game with a limited number of account-wide item codes. Yeah. And so they have to be careful. Sometimes they're like, yeah, we thought about that game, that item being account-wide. And then we decided not to because we can't use one of our diminishing resource, right? Like we're out in space on this journey and it's like, why did we not bring a machine that makes this thing? Like we have a finite number of bottles of champagne here. Like we... Like, I know it's a big moment, but we can't, we can't celebrate this one because there's no making more of these. Uh, and every other game is like, what do you mean there's a limited number of codes? <laughs> no, like, it's so and, weird. The, and they say it like it's some justifiable thing. Like, like we've all been there. We all, we all of course, have, have, have a limited use car. No, I don't. Like, like, and they're just like, we can all relate. That's just you, man. That's a you thing. Um, and it's so baked it. into the foundation that it's so hard to fix. Yeah, but it creates these weird issues, you know? Like, 
<laughs> I remember when I first got into 14, I was so excited because I wanted every glamour item that ever existed ever. So I was like, I'm going to go to the cash shop. I'm going to pay my real money. And this was big for me because I've been very hesitant previously about spending money on an MMO, which now I'm like, oh my gosh, I understand this so much better. But coming from being a single player, you know, sort of RPG person, I was like, I don't want to give them more money than I have to. Um, and so my big first step into like, no, I'd like to support this ongoing game was that I went to the Mog Station and I bought every hairstyle that existed on the Mog Station. And I was like, and now I'm set. And then I made a new character and I was like, where my hair at? You know, this won't be account wide. Like, you know, it. people are going to be pissed. And there is a 99% chance that that just our luck and and they're going to make it five billion dollars and it's like we got a five thousand dollar mountain it's it's one character i'm not saying that actually that's not confirmed it, it probably is but like just in my head the pessimist in me is like oh yeah this is this is a moment this is a moment where friction be, could be created needlessly like this is just a moment where everything's going great and we're all excited and they announce lunar whale and they're like so it's four hundred dollars <laughs> and it's no. it's it's a one-time use it spawns into the game and it's actually a right click, left click. And if you don't do both, uh, it deletes itself. Why? <laughs> so terrible. why? Like, why? Yeah, sorry, sorry. And ugh, we're getting overwhelmed with tickets. That's totally unforeseen. <laughs> and we just can't respond to everybody right now. Like, it's just, they. it just feels like every once in a while there's something where they just fall and it's needless because everything else is going so well. Shadowbringers has been phenomenal as an expansion. The ultimate news just felt like a, like what an unfortunate misstep at a time when, like we're going into the hypest cycle. We are excited where we're going and we're excited where we are. And not every MMO gets to experience a Venn diagram of being in a good place and going to a good place. Like a lot of times it's every other expansion everybody's happy with. To be in a good expansion going into what feels like a good direction is a really exciting moment. And so when anything's less than perfect, um, it just, it just. Oh. Yeah, it's funny to me with the ultimate debate in particular because to me and again like with pandemic it's been driving me crazy lately people that are like you know devs are using the pandemic as an excuse for not doing things in game and i'm like no i'm pretty sure it's a pandemic that is and we've one, never seen this that is a huge pet peeve for me as a dev uh you know it's like i honestly wish that like it's perfectly fine to be critical of uh design structure leadership like how the tasks are doled out and prioritized but I like honestly, and I'm not going to sit here and say you can't be critical of it, but I just want somebody to go be in that that environment for two to three years and then come back and be like, you know what? It's freaking hard to do this. Like there's so many things and it's like, I, it, like, but I get it. Like it's easy to sit here and just say, I, I just get frustrated with the devs are lazy kind of comment. Also dead game. Dead game also is something that kind of annoys me. I wish that was something that we could just get from our lexicon i i i want to kind of touch on that and then i'll let you talk because like it is such a pet peeve because at the core of it like i think the dead game is such a personal statement as opposed to a global uh kind of thing because it's that uh, i would say if a server shuts down that's a whole different topic but typically people use it because it's like whatever like they they rode the hype train that they were there for that and then they decided to move on that's perfectly fine but um, dead game and uh, and lazy devs are just two things that are just kind of li like light a fire under my butt. Be like, okay, let's let's dive into that thought. Let's explore it. Let's explore it for a minute. You know, I, don't I think know. that transitions yeah. us into our last topic. Yeah. Um, is is community inclusiveness because we're all having a different experience. We're all having a different life experience. We're all having a different game experience. Um, and like 
that dead game thing, right? Somebody's at a different point in their journey. Like I, I know Rook's community is something that if I got to choose one community style for the whole of the internet, like there's a positivity there, even when there's bad news and, and like how we can respond to our worst days in a way that doesn't have to make everybody else's day worse um, is something that a, I wish games had B I wish communities had and C I wish like all content creators ourselves included could always do. We don't. Um, and so like, how, you know, I, I don't, I don't really have a question there, I guess. I'm just going to just toss those ideas out there and just, I can see Rook thinking. So that's question mark. <laughs> I'm always thinking it's like <laughs> thoughts are in my head at all times. No. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. Every, every single thing you've both said, I mean, Brian in particular, like, I'm not the kind of person when, it's, when it comes to community, right? Like, and positivity, it's never the kind of thing where you have to do what people are referring to as like toxic positivity, right? Willful blindness of things happening in the world that are bad or things that deserve critique. But when it comes down to it, I mean, you're right. The internet has this propensity because it's satisfying, right? It feels good when you're like, I'm upset about this. And then everybody's like, me too. And you're all just sitting there like yelling into the void, you know? But the problem is, is that if we don't keep balanced opinions on things, right? And that includes like you were even both talking about earlier, playing various games, trying different things talking to lots of different people, seeing different mentalities, play styles, information, article, whatever it is, right? We have to try as players to keep a balanced mindset because like you said, Brian, what we ourselves feel is very much, it's a, it's a personal thing, but there's much more outside of that that we can actually critically break down, discuss, look at, and that won't like make an entire space a cesspit that nobody wants to be in. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the big thing. And 14 really overall has a great community, but we keep that going by being a great community and encouraging other people to get into that same mindset, right? When it comes to things like tossing out these, this is a dead game because one piece of content got delayed. It's like, are there valid things to break down and why this happened and why people are upset? Yes. But can we label because of our own personal feelings, this entire thing is a failure? No, and it's a disservice. It's a disservice to the game, the community, to new players that are interested in the game, that could help the game continue and come out with more things that we want. Yes, so before you jump to like those statements that are tearing things down constantly, before you make that a pattern that you are reinforcing everywhere, in streams, on Discord, on Reddit, in your guilds, in your FC, in your, like, just try to combat it, try to do the opposite, you know? Something comes out, break it down. Don't be afraid to talk about it, but encourage people, lift each other up, celebrate the good. Always try to find pros to your cons. Like it's just, it's that balance, right? And we see in 14 that even a lot of times just saying hi at the start of a dungeon changes the entire experience versus going into a dungeon in World of Warcraft or <laughs> you know, other, other MMOs where I've had experiences. <laughs> I mean, there's aspects of WoW that are really positive. There yes. are. Um, and, and like, when you get into a good guild, WoW has an amount of group content. It has an amount of group-driven PvE content that allows for large parties, small parties, incredible difficulty where you can have these major triumphs. You can form relationships where I have, I have been to weddings for people who I wasn't entirely sure 
what some of the other people that were going to be there to look like because there was a section of the wedding where it was us guildies. I have been there. I've been to destination weddings, gotten on a plane to go to weddings to meet people that I have known for 10 years. Wow built that in a way that 14 never has for me. That is unique to that level of adversity where coming together forms that bond. But that is because that level of grouping up is required because when you're just out in the general space, when you're in the grocery store in the mall of World of Warcraft, there is no police force, there is no moderation. And so somebody can just walk up to you and just push you down for no reason. And they do like there is no. And so there is like, if you can, you just imagine the chaos if you just went to the grocery store and somebody could just walk up and just flip your cart and like the grocery store didn't say anything. The police didn't say anything. And you're like, you're going up to the register. You're like, okay, I'm going home. It's been a long day. Somebody just walks and just flips the whole thing and then laughs at you and just walks off. Like it's insanity. We have to live in a society where things function, where like people can just not have their life ruined for somebody else's half second, LOL. Um, and, and sometimes wow doesn't do that. And that's where that negativity comes from. So I, I think yeah. it's, you know, your pro and your con there. And so that kind of shifts it to within content creation, within the part that the three of us have a, a modicum of control over, we can't control how devs police their communities. We can just comment on it. And we're, we're honestly just members of the community, like everybody else, Brian and I, everybody's like, well, you guys got streamer privilege to go to FanFest last time. No, we both had browsers open and refreshed frantically and hope to God we'd make it just like everybody else. Maybe in the future, if there's ever a fan fest in person again, we'll get invited and, and we can be excited. But I, I can tell you as of now, we're just players and, um, and we don't have any control over their TOS and all that. Like, but in your own community, you do have that control. Twitch lends that control. So how do you, when the pavement hits the road, how do you put in I mean, I guess the term is policies. Like, how do you make decisions that kind of guide that? And how much of that is your responsibility? I think it is our responsibility as content creators. And this is something that people have a lot of different opinions on, right? Am I just a person who's playing games and nothing beyond that effect? Like if my if my community chat or if you know people are spewing hateful stuff, that's not that's not my fault. I'm just doing my thing. I'm playing games, right? But when it comes down to it, I believe that content creators are facilitators for spaces within the gaming community, whatever form that takes. And like you were saying, it's never a case, I think, particularly of being like, I don't know, the special chosen players that for no reason other than being in front of a camera get to, you know, do these things. It's not that. For me, I look at it more as content creators being a bridge in the process, right? Connecting players and connecting those more like inaccessible parts of gaming that we've all been curious about, right? The devs, the events, the the larger the larger sort of scope of things professionally with gaming that we all kind of want to be a part of, but we can't always be a part of as just like an individual player sitting behind our screen. So like to me, content creators work as that bridge to bring our communities more into that space and bring perspective on that space to our communities. And with all of that said, when it particularly comes to MMOs, we have a social component because there is so much social stuff within MMOs, whether or not you super engage with it. I mean, like you were saying, you go to people's weddings, right? And it's it's amazing whether it's a guild, an FC, whether it's just the surrounding community, it's a Twitter community, it's an art community, it's a whatever. 
we have these spaces and it's all our responsibility together. And like, this is something that I've tried to create as a mindset on stream. You know, when people say to me on stream, like, Rook, you've made a really positive space. I try to say, we make the positive space. I try to constantly turn that language around so that it's never one person's responsibility. It's everybody's responsibility. And if you set that tone in your content and then you reinforce it, right? So like we do have rules on the Discord. We have rules for chat. We are an LGBTQIA plus inclusive space. We are a diverse space. We don't allow racist jokes. We don't allow these things that people might say offhandedly. And sometimes people get upset about that. Or, you know, you contact them and you moderate. And my moderation team is a huge part of this whole effort. So, like, I think that goes for a lot of content creators. But when it comes down to it, it's people supporting tone, language, respect, discussion, and then reinforcing that on all different levels at the top down to the person who just came in and is like, oh, I'm getting this vibe and we're going to be friendly. We're going to talk. We're going to ask questions from one another. We're going to respect one another. So it really is everybody's effort, but being the face of something, being a content creator, being a leader in a community, even being an FC lead, right? We think of it a lot of times as being important. I just made a tweet about this. It's so funny. When in reality, you're actually the person that has to be the most humble and serve others the most. And that's so important to keep in mind. <laughs> like, You should always be looking at how you can support other people in a space and keep an open mind um, before you do anything else. And before you know it, that all adds up, right? It's like somebody comes in that decides they want to be rude or they want to toss callous things out or they want to bring everybody down or critique everything, but they'll find they have no footing in a community where the precedent is something more positive. So where's the threshold? So we've got thresholds between like us and journalists, which is what Kobex is asking. We've got thresholds between large communities, something like Asmongold or Reddit, right? Mm -hmm. Where they, those are very different. Uh, one has a leader and one does not. And versus smaller communities where you've got somebody who's streaming to their first ever, you know, one or two people, people they probably know in real life. Like where where does that threshold, where's the responsibility? Because responsibility doesn't feel very gradient because where we test responsibility is when something goes wrong. That's, and so like when, so when something goes wrong and there's six people in stream, it doesn't really blow up. When something goes wrong and there's 50,000 people, it does. So like where there isn't really tools in content creation because we're all really just people behind cameras. We're not really, there is no training. You don't go to school for this. And so like, there is no license you get. Yes. Like best case you get a Twitch <laughs> check mark and you get monetized. And all that says is we believe that you will not be so atrocious that we can't make money off of you. Like that's, that's really what the threshold is saying. Like, and, and different platforms communicate that in different ways and it gets more nuanced, but like, where is the threshold to where that responsibility, how do we grow into those shoes as content creators? Oh man, we could do a whole other podcast just on this stuff. I know this is the last question. <laughs> We're just gonna end on this one. Um, I mean, <laughs> it, it depends on the content creator, right? So this, this just encompasses so much and I'm sure both of you, oh my gosh, have so many wonderful things to say about this too. But this, this question encompasses so many different things, right? If we're talking in more of a professional level, like game journalism, which you mentioned specifically, right? In game journalism, are we assuming that like we're talking about, you know, accurately reporting and, and reviewing a game, uh, looking at a greater scope of work, having played it, having this professional voice that's getting paid for having a critical opinion, right? All of those are things that go into game journalism specifically. Now, some content creators, that's what they do, right? Like if you are a reviewer, if you are somebody that's doing that kind of stuff, I think it is your responsibility to 
learn those things because you are being a voice of authority. So you need to learn about what it means to actually break down a game, what your perspective is, how you hone it, the impact you have. All of that's really important. When it comes to like a broader kind of discussion about just being facilitators in the gaming space, like community builders and things like that. I think one of the most important things that you can do, because like you're saying, there is no school for this. There is nothing that teaches you. There's no guide that we get that's like, how to do good community building and not be a dick on the internet. And you're like, oh, great. Wow, so nice. Love it. Um, what's offensive today? I don't know. What isn't? Great. Um, like, the thing is, is that like anything, you can constantly learn from everywhere and everyone. Like if you are ever in a space and you don't know for yourself, like what is appropriate, you know, you can ask five other people what their thoughts are and make sure you're getting a diversity of voices. But like, this is even something we just do in moderation in my community. I have moderators from all different perspectives and walks of life. We bring together a panel if there's ever anything that I'm like, I don't know about this. How do we feel about this? And then people will give their thoughts and opinions. Um, and then I will kind of look at that and I'll think about my own opinions and then I'll move forward from that. But especially as content creators, we can't absolve ourselves of the ongoing responsibility to learn to better ourselves and to, I think, professionally interact in a space where for better or worse, we will be amidst other professionals and players. We will be having an impact no matter how big or small you are. So learning how to carry yourself well, learning how to be sensitive to topics and get information where you yourself lack it, learning how to do these things and fostering conversations and understanding behind the scenes. That's crucial because so many content creators get in their own heads because when it comes down to it, a lot of us are a one man show. You know, We sit down in front of our computer, we do our thing, but we can't get to the point where we think that our own perspective is the end all be all of everything. So I think yeah. that just Keeping an open mind is important. I would think, uh, and to add kind of my final thought on that, to kind of put a bow on it and on the show uh, here, is that um, I also think don't be afraid to not be an expert and admit that you're not an expert in said situation and topic. I'm not an expert in X. And if asked about that, don't feel like you have to put on some kind of show or front like, oh, yeah, I know all about X, Y, and Z. Just be like, I don't know about that. That applies whether we're talking about game systems, et cetera. Hey, Brian, what's what's your thought on X, Y, and Z within this game? I haven't really touched it. That's not kind of the content that I usually gravitate towards. If I get around to it, I'll try to give you guys an informed opinion or at least setting the context of what experience I have uh, and not trying to pretend to be an authority on uh, everything in that regards. And I think that just comes from like setting a level of humility and understanding like, yeah, like there's no way as a dad, as a like, I'm, am I going to go be doing ultimate right now? Maybe later in the future. I like ultimate. I like watching ultimate, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you. And I'm disappointed that there's no ultimate for all the things that you listed. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, oh, yeah, like I'm really distraught because that's content that I was planning on doing. No, that's that's inauthentic in, in that regards. But that does bring us to the uh, final part of the show. Chris, you got a, a thing you want to say before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, so we're, we're wrapping this up. This is going to get published to YouTube over three videos. So you're probably it's possible some of you are watching this as the third video. The full thing is going out to SoundCloud, 
all the all the places uh, we're on Spotify because that threshold was low enough. We cleared it. Uh, and so it's going out to all those places, a full length podcast it's also over on um, Brian's podcast channel as a full length podcast. So you'll be able to listen to the full hour continuously because the segments are very organic and it is a conversation. But we put them out as individual segments on work to game for people that just want 10 to 20 minutes at a time. Um, and then I, I would say that kind of my perspective on that is like, it does make me regret that our English language, um, doesn't have the ability, doesn't have the depth to communicate enough tone where like, I could just get somebody's perspective. Like, where are they coming from on this? Cause instead I have to like go to LinkedIn and check their whole profile to like, like gauge their life experience to be like, oh, that's why they said they didn't like this. And you can't do that. You can't just cyber stalk somebody every time they say something to see if the headline is something you agree with. You just process the headline and you go. Final Fantasy 14 is dying. Those work to game guys just hate 14. And you don't listen to the 10 minute video. You just see the thumbnail and you move on. And um, and so that's that's kind of my final thoughts and a little bit of, of self-promo on where you can find this. Rook, where can people find you? Yes. Hello, everyone. Uh, you can find me on twitch.tv bird of chess. It's all one word, bird of chess. Uh, I'm usually live there Wednesday through Friday. Tuesdays, I have new YouTube videos that typically come out. Saturdays, I'm still live, just not on that channel. I'm over on Aetherite Radio, Gamerscape's Final Fantasy XIV podcast, which I know you're both pretty familiar with. <laughs> Um, so you can find me on Saturdays there and I usually host it on my channel. Um, but yeah, you can find me all over. I do have a YouTube channel now, Bird of Chess, where we've been putting various uh, videos, playthroughs, uploads, and I'm really looking forward to expanding that because that's pretty new for me. So I'm hoping, Chris, to channel some of your knowledge with guides and things. You've been doing so much good content and both of you do so much amazing content over on your own channel there too. So I'm just getting started. And then you can find me on Twitter at Bird of Chess, Instagram at Bird of Chess, pretty much everywhere, Bird of Chess is where I can be found. And uh, I'm always happy to chat, to talk, to continue these conversations. We have a great space and I'm really, really grateful that we do for both our community and for all the players that come in and continue to make it a great space. All right, guys. Uh, links will all be to, uh, at least especially where you can find her YouTube uh, in the description of this. Be sure to go check her out. If you have, if this is her introduction to you guys, go say hi to her on her stream or whatnot. It is always fun to kind of grow the community and be introduced to, to new creators. Now, if you've been following her for any period of time, always tell people about the content creators you like. So that is one of the best ways that A, we find guests for the show, but also B, how you can uh, help the, the people that you really enjoy and especially the community the styles uh, kind of grow the, that community by inviting people in. And it, it is a part, it's kind of like uh, that, that is a beautiful relationship. So anyway, that's going to wrap up the podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been the casually hardcore podcast. My name has been Brian. This has been Chris. This has been Rook from Bird of Chess. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope to see you in our next one, but we, anyway, I don't know what else I'm going to say. I love you guys. Thanks so much for being here and we'll see you soon.